Heavenly Father, we're thankful uh, for the love of Jesus that brings us together and that we're sons and daughters of God. And Lord, we look forward to the time in which you'll live in the same town with us. And every Sabbath, we'll be there to worship you in person. Lord, we don't know what's between here and there, but by your Spirit, may we be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Am I among friends? Now, I say that because some of the things I say, you know, I don't want you to get mad at me. You promise not to get mad at me? <laughs> you know, we just knelt down for prayer. But, uh, you, know, you know, the Bible has many ways to pray, right? They prayed standing up. Uh, it, it, in, fact, in fact, you can pray however you want. Wouldn't that be right? Uh, I've got a... Can I tell you a story about prayer? Last night, the, uh, the talk was about devotional life. And, and, and before I tell you the story, I was going to tell you, you know, the, the devotional life, remember the, the speaker said, uh, uh, should not be boring. But I'm the kind of person that likes to do it the same way every time because habit is kind of nice. Now, there's nothing wrong with habit. In fact, we're more comfortable with habit. In other words, if I'm going to do a devotional life different every day, pretty soon I run out of ideas and I think I'm messed up. So... <laughs> So to, to make it the same, nothing wrong with that. And uh, I, I was telling them yesterday, the word study is a hard word. And, and I use the illustration, you know, is, in, in, in other words, if I'm reading the newspaper and I say to you, would you like to study the newspaper? And you, <laughs> you say, I don't have time. And if, but if I say to you, would you like to read the newspaper? Thank you very much, you'd say. Uh, and so the word study, I think study has a time, but the devotional life, now I'm not sure that's a time to study. And I'm just putting that. In other words, study is a different mindset, don't you think it is? And so when we spend this time with God, it's not so much to study, it's to be, how can you say it? Huh? Yeah, in other words, it's, a, it's starting the day with God. And, and there's, there's many components to it. Now, everybody can do it their own way. But, uh, but I like, for example, not only the prayer. And, and, and I remember that I would pray on, the, on my face sometimes, but not always. I prayed, whatever it was. In other words, in other words you can't say, this is the way you got to do it. If you don't do it that way, something's wrong with you. Uh, I would write a prayer. I've got, I've got books of prayers that I wrote to God. Now, you might think that that's off the wall. Now, back when I was young, and you, you don't think I was ever young, uh, we didn't have a computer, so we wrote letters to each other. In fact, uh, when I used to get... Uh, my wife lived in Florida, and I lived in Ohio, and, 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 and I worked on a plastering crew, and I couldn't wait to get a letter every day from her. And I wouldn't just read it, you know, when I came home, I'd read it two or three times. Uh, and, and, so, and so there's, of course, the Bible is a kind of a letter to us, wouldn't you say? And uh, so it isn't crazy uh, to write a, a prayer to, to God and see how it comes out. I mean, pretend you're on the computer, pretend it's an email. 
Uh, and, uh, and, and so, and so write it. In fact, in fact, when you write it, you'll do it a different way than when you said it. Uh, another thing that I think, if you haven't tried it already, is a journal. Now, we're not talking about a diary. Because, you know, dear diary, you know, however they do that. But what, what I like in a journal is that I kind of review yesterday. In other words, and I think it's good for us to look back at yesterday to decide whether we want to do it this way today or not. You know, and it isn't like feel guilty and, you know, I'm going to beat myself to death and all that. No, it's a way of, of debriefing myself. And, uh, and it, it, it's a perspective. And so, and so I like to have in the devotional life several things, you know, that we're doing. And, and, and time will go fast. Now, now let me just mention this too, and don't misunderstand me. You know, you'll hear somebody say, the devotional life is precious. I get up at two o'clock every day, and, uh, and you think, oh, that's, that puts me out of the loop. And, uh, so, so, and so, you see, we don't need to try to, uh, now, don't misunderstand. We're not talking about a moral standard, but but we don't want to set models that are that are inaccessible. Uh, in other words, one size doesn't fit all. It and and this is the problem we have, I think, sometimes in spiritual life, is you put it out and say, you know, make it fit, and it's like a shoe that's not your size, or you know, a coat that's that's too small. So. In our, in our uh, uh, devotional life, we can have many things we do. We don't even do, But anyway, it, it'll really refresh us. And I'm sure that, uh, well, I'm not really sure, but that, especially men, uh, we men have a problem with spiritual life. Because I've noticed in my ministry that uh, it's the women that carry the ball. You know, if you want to talk uh, to a man about, you know, fixing the roof, he, I mean, he's the one to talk to. If, you know, if you want to talk about fixing the car, that's your man. But I've noticed so many times in my ministry that if you want to talk about spiritual things, the man's got a subcontract with his wife. And so he kind of <laughs> unspokenly, you know, refers uh, you to her. I, I was staying in a home uh, for a weekend, and uh, every time we sat down to pray, she prayed. And I thought, give me a break. I thought, I wanted to say, buddy, where are you? <laughs> and so we men are weak in two areas, and spirituality is one. And so, and so, and, and another thing is that the modern culture is dumbing the men down. You know, you know, somebody said that on the TV programs, the dog is the smartest one, the, kid is, the kids are next, and then the wife is next, and the husband's an idiot. And, and, and the reason that is, is because God knows that we play a role. We're not talking about an inferior or superior. We're just talking about a role. And that we men are supposed to be the spiritual leaders in our home. Amen. And, uh, and I've said to men, I said, if we men w would start... You girls don't mind me talking this way, do you? Uh, that, <laughs> that if we men would start the day with God, Amen. our lives would be different. And now you might say, well, I'm embarrassed to kneel down, you know, and 
well then put your shoes under the bed remember and so you kneel down to get your shoes and you just have a little prayer while you're getting them get them i'm only uh, that's a bad joke but anyway we've got to we've got to start the day with god my mother didn't teach me to start the day with god she taught me to to do prayer at the end of the day but if you and i wait till the end of the day to pray that's the loser's prayer <laughs> the damage has been done <laughs> The morning prayer is the winner's prayer. Amen. Now that doesn't knock out the, the prayer at the end of the day. By the way, uh, are most of us single in here? Did I say us? <laughs> uh, are most of the people in here single? Now we got some married people in here, don't we? Um, but let me bounce this off of you because you did you know those of you who are single, William, your wife's out there somewhere today. Did you know that? Hope she's not in jail. <laughs> no, but the, you know, you know, a young woman was saying to me, and it really—I've never forgotten it. She said, "I was I was driving down the road one day, and I thought my husband's out there." And she says, "I think I'm going to say a prayer for him." And and I've said, I've said to the girls, I've said, uh, I've said, "You're somebody's wife. Keep yourself pure for him." And to the men, you're somebody's husband. Keep yourself pure for her. Amen. And I think we've got to see that. In fact, I was teasing uh, uh, a, a girl this morning at the table. I, I said, I understand you're two-thirds married. <laughs> and she said, what do you mean? I said, well, you, you know, you're ready to get married. You found a, a minister to do it. Now you just got to find somebody to marry. So, <laughs> so, so you're two-thirds married. I think you're two-thirds married. No, I can just tell just by looking at you. No, I'm only kidding. But, um, but listen, fellas. I know what it's like as a man uh, with the problems we have. I used to work uh, on a construction crew where the men couldn't put two clean words together. And I want to say, when you work in that environment, it's not easy. Because, because it's incredible the effect of a dirty joke you know you may not remember who your first teacher was but you remember the first dirty joke you ever heard and uh, so we need to wash out our brains and and so I, and so i've noticed if we'll start the day with god and i'm talking from a man's point of view then when we get tempted during the day we know what to do and uh and you know in, in the war uh, uh you know they have this it's it's electronic warfare and, and they'll and they'll put their, uh, what is it there, infrared or whatever, beam on the target. See, it's a plane. So, and the expression is they paint the target. And so when they put that beam, then they'll send a rocket up that's on that beam and then blow you out of the air. So uh, I've heard that, that these planes then have a, like a detector box that senses when the uh, target's being painted. In this case, they're the target. And so when it senses they're being painted, they take maneuvers to, to duck out of it. And I think that we men need to know when we're being painted. <laughs> because, you know, if we men are tempted during the day, if you have to sit there and say, oh, what am I going to do now? It's too late, man. It's too late. You've been hit. And <laughs> Isn't that right? We've been hit. So I think it's critical that uh, that devotional life 
Yes. Now, watch out for this too. That we've got to be careful in the spiritual life that a means to an end doesn't become an end in itself. That's the big one. Uh, and, and that can be for whatever we do. And I told them yesterday, and, and William remembers because he's my uh, right-hand man, and that is don't make your spiritual life single focus. Be broad spectrum. The spiritual life not this big. And I've even said this. And, and by the way, did you see the book I wrote in the Bible? It's called, it's called Lord Save My Church, Tackling the Tough Issues. And uh, a fanatic, now be careful, I'm going to be careful. A fanatic tends to be a person who is emphasizing one component at the expense of all the rest. So we don't need to have our, our spiritual life that big. It needs to be broad spectrum. And of course, the, uh, the thing we've been trying to, to, to say in our talks together here is the spiritual life has got to be from the inside out. And, and I remember I said yesterday, the Hindus are vegan. Does that tell you anything? Tells you you don't have to be born again to have an external life of standards. Now, in this book, I even say, in their sound bites, there's 95 of them, <clears throat> that the uniform a soldier wears is not a moral issue. But it's a life and death issue because it shows which side he's on. <laughs> and so then God can expect uh, that his children are going to look different uh, than, than those who are not. And I think we need to be real sensitive to that. You know, if pedophiles wore green ties, guess what tie you don't wear? Uh, but yet, yet, in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with green ties. It depends on who wears them. So don't forget that Christian standards are significant, though they may not always be moral. Uh, those who God would sanctify, he must separate. The word holiness really means to be separate. And there's two texts that we really need to get a handle on. One is love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And if we insist on loving the world, sooner or later the love of the Father is pushed out. Uh, and, and another one says that those who love it finally become enemies of God. Now, I, now I, I'm just, remember I told you I was going to just do some stuff like your grandpa I'm talking to. You don't mind, huh? You don't get mad when grandpa talks to you. You get white hair like this, you can say things you can never say. I mean, if, 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 if he was saying what I'm saying, you'd punch him out. And, uh, now I forgot what I was going to say. What was I saying? You forgot. That's what I'm... There you go. I hate that. I'm old too. Oh, you're old too. <clears throat> See, we ministers have this uh, thing that... And you, you know what I'm going to say. Uh, somebody goes to church on Sabbath and, and they hear a good sermon and they go home and say, man, that was a good sermon today. It changed my life. I'll never be the same. Your friend says, what was it about? Okay. I don't remember. <laughs> and, and, and you know, that could happen here from this, this Congress we're having. Because I was talking to somebody this morning. They said, this is so wonderful. But this isn't real. You're aware of that, aren't you? This isn't real. And so, and so what? Because we can go back. 
I was telling him yesterday too, I said, you know, it's easy to have a double life. A sacred life and a secular life. And, and, and I use this illustration. <clears throat> you know, you've heard people say, you should give Jesus the first place in your life. And so, now I'm going to tell you how that works. See, my wife's name is Betty, and you would like her. I'm carrying a picture in my wallet of her when she was 18. And uh, you used to be 18, didn't you? Because you know what I tell, the, I tell people like you, I said, I wasn't born this way, which means that I used to be like you, and which means you're going to be like me. <laughs> or worse. Or worse. I was telling somebody at the table, too, that old age, and I'm not, I'm not there yet, I, is the ultimate insult in human existence. Uh, it's a destroyer. And in fact, I was just thinking the other day, we talk about the time of trouble. Uh, it comes to every one of us, and it's called old age. No, seriously. Uh, you read, I was reading the other day, Ecclesiastes 7 forward, uh, and it talks about what's going to come. And, and in fact, it says... Uh, if you understand that early on, you'll live differently. And I think that's really critical. Because you see those old people, and I also told them yesterday, I said, if you want to do a, a humanitarian work, even a missionary work in, 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 in your youth group, do something for the aged. That means go to a convalescent home and comfort those people. I, I even told somebody this morning, I said, put your hand on their hand. Because nobody touches them anymore. Their hands all wrinkled, their little prunes, all, all shriveled up. And uh, it's the time of trouble. It's the time of trouble. It's painful. Uh, we're all infected. Uh, I was looking at your uh, a lab report the other day, and I, you know what I found out? You're old age positive. You didn't get that, did you? Anyway, another thing that I don't need to tell you, you know, we haven't started our little thing yet. We will in a minute. But I need to tell you these things. And don't forget them. Don't, you know, don't forget them. Because I don't know where you're at. See, I can assume that everybody here is the good guy. <laughs> but we're really just real guys. That we have intentions. But, but, but when we leave here, it's something else. I believe personally that television is the destroyer mm -hmm. and I think it's the really uh, uh, in a concentrated way it's the worst thing that's happening to us mm -hmm. I, it's setting our, 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 our uh, dress code is our values everything mm -hmm. and, and, and in fact um, uh, you know I tell people I, I, I do revival business. I say, you can set in Sabbath and really be blessed. Go home, flip on the TV tonight, and it's all gone. Mm -hmm. It's a destroyer. And you, now, I've heard some people say, well, I only watched a good program. And then I was talking to a family. They said they got a TV. They decided they were going to watch only the good programs. They said, what was it? A, week, a month later, they were watching everything that came down the pike, and they could not tell anything had changed. You know, I know you're not, you know, where I am because you're not all married and everything. But I tell this story. 
that uh, you know sometimes in the home uh, in a home uh, a husband uh, you know wants to he thinks the television is uh, is a problem and the wife she says she gets a, a spiritual blessing from watching the soap operas and uh, so <laughs> you know some people come up with some pretty weird stuff you know you got to know how the other half lives if you're going to witness to him and so I tell the men I said if your wife I get a, a spiritual blessing from watching the soap operas. Negotiate something with her. Make a deal. And do this. And you say, honey, I recognize that you get a spiritual blessing from watching the soap operas. Let's make a deal. We'll have a television for five years and then we'll be without one for five years. And she'll say, oh, honey, you're so sweet. And then you say, we've already had your five years. <laughs> But seriously, uh, don't let that get into your life. And I, I'm going to assume that you don't, but don't let it in. We don't need that. I don't need to tell you about music and all the rest. It's a destroyer. You know, it's getting into our churches. You're aware of that, aren't you? Uh, in this book I wrote called uh, Lord uh, Save My Church, it isn't big, long chapters. They're just little things. You know, it's the talking points. I said, Hollywood uses, or Madison Avenue uses sex to sell everything. Is it possible that we would use sex to sell the gospel? Yes. How would we do it? Music. Huh? That sound, huh, that modern sound, is a sex sound. Have you noticed you can't, in other words, you can listen to a march and you can do your foot up and down. You can't listen to that music and do your foot. You have to use your pelvis. And you can't worship God with your pelvis. Uh, hey, that's just... It's, it's, it, and, and some people say, well, it's the words, not the music. That's baloney. That's baloney. Uh, it, it's just the other way around. Uh, that music is not the words. You can't under, understand them half the time. It's all about the music. Now, now, you won't know what I'm saying, but, you know, the music is everything. And, uh, and, uh, and if the music wasn't what it's about, when you go to the dentist, you know, he'd be playing the theme from Haunted House there in his waiting room. And, uh, and that'd scare you out of your wits. So, so the, the music is definitely the mood, isn't it really? Yes, that's the mood. Anyway, it's into the church. And it, it breaks my heart. Not every church, but it's 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 spreading. It's really spreading. Uh, are you all right so far? <laughs> anyway, but by the way, another thing is that, uh, and I don't. It's hard to avoid this, uh, and that is there is a split coming in amongst us. You can you know that you can see that, don't you? But we've got to remember that uh, Jesus didn't come to judge, but to save. And that a person can appear to be on one side today, but if we lock him into that, uh, we lose our influence with him. So, so we've got to, and so let's, and it's hard for me, let's try not to condemn people, but let's speak to principle. And we've got to be careful that being conservative people like we are, uh, we can be very unkind. We've got to avoid that. Anyway, I want to tell you a prayer story. Can I do that? This happened in uh, East Pakistan. Uh, uh, Pakistan used to be split in two. 
Later, the eastern part uh, became uh, uh, Bangladesh. And so I was over in Bangladesh teaching at, uh, at a summer school, and, and I was teaching, uh, it was ministers and teachers. You know, these were grown people. And uh, so uh, we, I would teach until 12 and then take a nap, because it was really, you know, and uh, then start again at 3. And, no, and though Bangladesh is mostly uh, Muslim, uh, the, uh, that area was Hindu, Jalapar school, see. So anyway, and, and you could hear the drums beating at night and the wind. I mean, it was really, you know, like that. So, so uh, one day I was taking a nap and there was a knock at the door. And uh, I went to the door and there were uh, three or four of these pastors you know, these teachers that I was in his class with. And they said, Pastor O'Phil, there's a lady out at the gate that says that the devil is about to kill her daughter. And, uh, and here's the story. This was a Christian family. And uh, they had lots of children. And one of their teenage, a 13-year-old, had gotten sick. And uh, they had tried, you know, in their, their little way, everything they could to help her to get well. It wasn't working. And I don't know what she had. And somebody said, well, why don't you take her to the Hindu, whatever it was, guru or priest. I don't know what they call him. And maybe he can help. Now, remember, they're Christians, but they decide to do it. And listen to what I'm about to say. Sometimes what we do to get out of trouble gets us into bigger trouble than the trouble we're in. And somebody said that we can't trust even our own judgment. Uh, because the scripture says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Uh, in other words, we take off from a, a, a wrong base. So anyway, they took her to this, uh, this Hindu, whatever it was. And he said she'd get well if they would pay, pay well, it could be more like a kilo, but we'll call it a pound. Uh, they called it a shear or something like that. Uh, but it was like a kilo. If, if, if they'll pay one pound of sugar for each pound of her body weight, she'll get well. And they agreed to do it, but they were too poor. They couldn't. And so uh, some time went by, and she was, remember, she's 13 or 12 or 13. She's across the river at her uncle's place visiting, and they're gone to the well to get water. And when I say get water, I don't mean this or this. I mean like this. And so... So they're getting water. Out of the ground comes this thing, an evil spirit. And it said, you didn't pay. Uh, if you don't pay, I'm going to, if you don't pay, I'm going to kill you. And so she drops, you know, the water jugs and everything. And she goes home. She's crying. She said, Mom, Dad, do something. They're going to kill me. Too poor. So that day that I was taking that nap, she's walking along beside the river and uh, the thing comes out of the bushes and it says, you didn't pay, now you die. She went down on the ground and she's in a coma. And uh, that's when the mother's knocking on the door and said, you've got to do something. And so uh, when I heard that story, I knew what that was about. What it was going to be about is going to be about exorcism. You know, you heard of that before? Casting out the demons. And you know what the magic words are for that? What are they? In the name of Jesus, we command the spirits to depart. So I knew that that's what we were going to pray, right? And uh, 
But I had heard about this in the mission stories. I wish they still had mission stories in the Sabbath school. You know, Sabbath school has fallen apart. And Sabbath school, by the way, was the original small group. We We talk about small groups. We were doing small groups before these other people were ever born. And in the Sabbath school class, they used to ask you how much literature you distributed, Bible studies. It was, remember those days? And you know why they changed it? Because of the... You see, this is what we... We're lowering the bar. They were afraid that they were going to embarrass somebody. So they quit asking at all. So when they're not asking you if you're distributing literature, guess what you're not doing? So it killed the whole concept because they were lowering it, lowering it to the loser. If you understand what I'm saying. So anyway, I, I knew that this was going to be a prayer, an exorcistic prayer, and it was going to say what? In the name of Jesus. But I, what I decided to do, because I'd heard stories like this in the mission stories, I decided to take the, all the mission stories I ever heard and make a composite, a checklist. Ladies, a recipe. And I decided I would do whatever they did, because in the mission stories, it always turns out all right. And uh, so, and so, I knew then that when you go in the presence of the devil, what you got to have with you? Yeah, this is the Bible, and I figured, you know, you come in like this, <laughs> you know. But and that's what you figure, because you hear those stories. And I heard a story from Sri Lanka, where a, a girl was being uh, harassed by evil spirits, and somebody said, "Put it under your mattress, your your pillow. That'll keep you safe." And she woke up the next morning, it had been ripped to shreds, pieces like that. But anyway, I didn't know that, fortunately. So uh, I got my, my Bible, and then I had heard that if you go into the presence of the devil and you have unconfessed sin, he'll say it out loud, whatever it is. And you don't want that to happen. So, so uh, you know where I'm coming from. See, In other words, I had a checklist. And I didn't want to leave anything out. So we had our prayer and confessed our sins. And all. Remember, we're talking about checklists. I couldn't think of anything more to do. It was time to go. We, it wasn't far. We went down to where she lived. And as we walked up, uh, there was loud wailing, crying. You know, remember when Jesus went to the house of the little girl? And uh, so I asked them to be quiet. And uh, there she was lying on the ground right by the door, wearing a green sari. Her, her, her hands across, uh, across her chest. And I went over and I, I looked at her and she was, she was unconscious. And uh, somebody said, you want to hear her talk? I said, how's that? And they said, when we put some special leaves under her nose, she talks. I said, I don't want to hear her talk. Because you could be talking to who? To the devil. Now I knew, what are the magic words? In the name of Jesus. We made a little half circle around her. The uh, first one prayed in Bengali because I, I didn't understand the language. But I had my eyes closed. And when he got to the place where I imagined he heard in the name of Je- well, he was saying in the name of Jesus, we come in. open my eye. Because what's supposed to happen? It didn't. Nothing happened. I thought, uh-oh. You know, have we left out anything? Next person prayed. Nothing. My turn. And I thought, what's going on? Then I thought, well, maybe you can't just say in the name of Jesus. 
You got to flesh out your prayer and make it long. Like in church. <laughs> and you got to use big words. Uh, and when you come to the uh, part in the name of Jesus, you can't just say in the name of Jesus. You got to do like those ho- the, the holy, the, the uh, what do you call them, the Pentecostals do. You got to say in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that the way they do? In the name of Jesus, they say. <laughs> so I decided that, you know, because it wasn't working. And uh, so I, I, my turn, I prayed as long as prayer I could think of, used all the big words that occurred to me. And then when it came time to use those power words, I said it powerfully in the name of Jesus. We command these evil spirits to depart. Open my eyes. Nothing happened. And in that moment, ladies and gentlemen, I forgot everything I'd been doing. And the tears started coming out of my eyes. I didn't have time to say boo-hoo. It just streamed down my cheeks like it's never happened before. And I just cried out. I said, oh God, please help us. And in that moment, she opened her eyes. And I reached down, took her by the hand, lifted her up. And the reason I tell you that story is there's not magic words. It's the effects of what kind of prayer? Fervent prayer. And see, this is the problem with prayer. You see, very easy in the spiritual life, what's to be a means to an end becomes an end in itself. And and even in prayer, you know, have you ever been saying your prayer at night and have to wake yourself up to say amen? Sure, come on, be honest with me. We all have. One day I was having lunch and I I got about halfway through my lunch and I said, I wonder if I said the blessing. (laughs) Yeah, I did. No, I don't know if I did. No, I'm sure I did. So what did I do? Said it again. I I don't know whether it was again or not because I didn't hear it the first time. (laughs) I, I heard a story of a lady worked in the telephone company. And uh, she came home for lunch one day and she bowed her head and said, Hello, telephone company. Can you see how this works? And so, and so that's what, in other words, whatever inspiration we got here, whatever, whatever it was, you know, whatever tricks of the trade, I'm, I'm using the wrong word, understand that, that there is none. It's the effectual fervent. It's got to be... If with all your heart you seek me, you'll find me. And I think that when we're speaking of the, of the fruit of the Spirit, that remember, the fruit of the Spirit is Jesus' initiative, not ours. Because it said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And yesterday we were saying this, that you can't split the fruit of the Spirit and say, I'll take a little bit of uh, love and then I'll take some patience, but I don't want to be kind. You know this, this word kind is a big word. I preach about this because I have a, I have a huge burden for our homes. Uh, the one thing we have in common is we all came from home. Now, it might have been pretty far out. But you came from a home and you're going to make one. You might not have been able to help the one you came from, but you get to do the one that's coming next. And of all the things that you and I do, uh, 
besides giving our heart to Jesus, that's the big one. That's the big one. And so this is my burden. And I said yesterday, and I'll say it today, the hardest place to be a Christian is at home. I saw two sisters standing this morning as I was on, and I said something, and they said, uh, we're sisters. I said, how's it going? And they looked, oh, yeah, right, you know. And, uh, and then I told them, I said, be kind to each other. I was in an airport, and there were two little twins about this big, and, 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 and I could hear them just carrying on. And, and I heard the mother said, oh, you know, I'm not mean. And you could hear, you know, so they must have been accusing her. You know, they're just about that big. So, you know, when you have white hair, you can do, don't you try this. But uh, when you have white hair, you can do this. I just walked over, clear over here, and I just put my face down by those little girls. And I said, she's not mean. And they smiled. The problem was over, you see. But, but at home is where it's at. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is at home. A witnessing is at home. Well, I'll, I think I'll go witness to the locals in Alaska. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to baptize a thousand people there in South America. That's all right. But we've got to be careful that we don't use the outreach as an excuse for the inreach. Listen, I got a boy. I wrote a book about that boy called Lord, Keep Your Mansions, Just Save My Children. And that boy is my boy that's out of faith. He was a drug guy. He's a fine boy. If you'd see him, he's as sweet as he can be. He was raised in South America with us. And every time he comes in the house, he gives me a kiss. And the guy's 38 years old. Fine boy. But he said to me, Daddy, Dad, I don't need God in my life now. But I pray God do something. I See, I, see this is the problem. That uh, I wish all my kids were ministers and Bible workers. I get so tired of praying for them. <laughs> really, huh? But what does the text say? Pray without ceasing. What's that mean? Don't give up. Don't give up. And if your dad's not a Christian, or your mom's not a Christian, or you're living in some irregular, that's where it starts. And it's not about telling them, you know, Turn off the TV. Or, why don't you go to church on Saturdays? Or, you know what I mean? Or, read them the riot act. It's about being. Uh, because many times, especially us people that are a little more traditional, uh, the, uh, the way we live uh, blocks out what we preach. Uh, or, or, or what we say is just not what Jesus would say. And this is why, you know... This is why I feel and, and I'm convinced that, that the fruit of the Spirit, and you know that's Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and, and it's, a, it's a list of things. And that that's what we want. And you know we hear this word legalist. Y'all be a legalist. The free, you can't be a legalist with the fruit of the Spirit. You can't be. Because it's attitudinal. It's kindness. It's gentleness. It's patience. It's love. It, 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 it's self-control. I'm going to do that in the next round. That's, uh, by the way, self-control is the last, but it's the foundation that holds the others up. We'll talk about that. But anyway, uh, I only share this with you because, because home's hard. Home is hard. Bro I, I had a sister didn't speak to me for five years. 
And, and, I, and I'm not just telling you what you don't know. You know, I heard somebody say one time, I'm not going to laugh when your end of the boat goes down. You didn't get that, did you? Because why? We're all in the same boat. We're in the same boat. And so, and so we need, and I think we need to help each other. We need to encourage each other. And, and, I, and I had an experience in my life about, about um, five years ago or four years ago. And when I said encourage each other, I should have said we need to comfort each other. You know, when you see a person that's going through an experience, don't tell him what he ought to do. You know, it, it's like I use the illustration again. I use the illustration of children. You know, if, you know, if a child is, is carrying something, you know, something that's full of whatever it is and, and you say, be careful, you'll drop it. Bang, it drops. You say, I told you. <laughs> keep your mouth shut and help them clean it up. Then if you're going to give a little talk, give it in the afternoon. See, <laughs> have you ever heard the expression, uh, uh, strike when the iron is hot? Don't. That's the time not to strike. Because you know the people that work in ferrous metals and all, when you get it hot, you bend it, it stays bent. And so if we strike when the iron is hot, we do damage. And, 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 and Jesus doesn't strike when the iron is hot, huh? You know, if, if you want to read something to break your heart, it breaks my heart, read, read Isaiah 61. Watch. In fact, I think this is critical. Do you know there's so much tucked into Isaiah about Jesus? It's just wonderful. It's wonderful. But this is, this is what I like. Because this is, this is what the spirit of, of, of uh, uh, the fruit of the spirit, this is how it works. Watch this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to what? Preach the good tidings to the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives in the opening of prison to them that are bound. And I think that's what God's called us to do. Uh, to bind up the brokenhearted. To set at liberty those. And that's not a hard line. And uh, I want that for my life. And I told him yesterday, and I want to tell you today, that the Ten Commandments are not just Exodus. Or I should say the commandments of God are not just Exodus. The commandments of God are also Matthew 5. They're, they're just, as, just as much the will of God. It's also Philippians 4.8. You know, we say, well, you keep the... Ten. No, the Sermon on the Mount is, is a commandment. It's not optional. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In that whole list. Read that. And in and, and, and Galatians 5.22, read that. That's not optional. That's what the Christian life is. And so, and, and also I said yesterday too, <clears throat> now this, is, this sounds awful, <clears throat> overcoming sin is only half of it. Overcoming sin is only half of it. Remember the story Jesus told about casting out the devil? Swept and cleaned. What happened? Because and why wasn't filled? 
And so, really, we should say that the objective of our lives, in a practical sense, is to have the fruit of the Spirit. And, of course, overcoming sin, victorious Christian life, is something that enables that. And, and oh, by the way, this brings up <clears throat> something about devotional life. And, and I, I'm not being disrespectful or critical. Uh, our speaker, I loved the sermon last night. I thought it was beautiful. <clears throat> but he said, make time for a devotional life. You can't. There's only 24 hours in the day. <laughs> you, can't add a, you can't add another one. So the devotional life only works if you take something out. So, so if, if we want a devotional life, we can't put it on top. <clears throat> of anything, we pull something out for that. Anyway, anyway, the Christian life is a doable. And the enemy of the Christian life is our natural tendency, our natural heart. <clears throat> That's why I'm convinced that the operating, the spirit-driven operating, enabling, is repentance. We don't hear that word anymore. But, but without repentance, nothing else works. And, but repentance doesn't come from us, it comes from Jesus. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And so basically, it's a matter of letting Jesus into our lives. He, he knocks... And, and, and we respond. And, and there's another thing, and I'm not sure if I'm right on this, <clears throat> but I believe that it's hard to respond to Jesus in good times. And, you, know, and, you know, they have these ministries to the postmoderns. <laughs> you know, we got to win the postmoderns and the rich people and all that and everything. And I'm thinking Paul tried that on Mars Hill. And he didn't get much out of it. He said, I won't be doing that anymore. Uh, and so I believe that the ones that give the hearts to Jesus are the ones that hit bottom. That, that when your marriage is broken up, you've lost your job, you've got, you know, something's really bad. Then you say, Jesus, help me. Help me, save me. So this is what also I believe that if we pray that, that everything will go our way, then, then we're, we're, we're removing potentially from our lives the very thing that would bring us closer to Jesus. In fact, remember what Jesus said, I suffered, uh, are you better than I am? Oh yeah, I was telling somebody outside the door this morning, I said, uh, you know, we hear the story of Daniel, he was delivered from the lion. Most of the Christians, uh, after Jesus, were eaten by the lion. Think about that now. The three Hebrew children were delivered from the fiery furnace. Good. But most of the people after Jesus were torches in the Colosseum. And so I think that's why we've got to be careful that we think, you know, that, that we want to be like Daniel. I'm sorry. You might want to be like one of the disciples and they were all martyred but one. And so, and so this is critical to us. In, in fact, my take on this, uh, you know, why, why, uh, why all these miracles in the Old Testament is because, because the Israelites were, would be the gene pool from which Jesus would come. And for, in fact, if that death decree of Haman had worked that night, uh, 
we wouldn't have Jesus because there would have been no line for him to come in. You follow what I'm saying? And so we find God doing things in the Old Testament to preserve the gene pool that he hasn't done since Jesus was here. Because since then, now the blood of martyrs becomes seed uh, to spread the gospel. And I think we've got to understand that because it will affect the way we live as Christians. In other words, in other words, if we're going to pray that all, everything, blah, 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 well, then we may be somewhere else. So we've got to be willing to suffer for his sake, if necessary, to die for him. Whatever it takes, I want that. And that's what I pray for my life. Jesus, whatever it takes. If it's good times or bad, if you want me to be a throwaway, that's all right. And this is another thing. God doesn't put all of his eggs in one basket. You think, I'm God's answer to the gospel. You know, he needs me, really does. And if he doesn't have me, then... Uh, no, he doesn't put all his eggs in one basket. And you know, we were talking this... You know, there's a, a, a nurse here from mainland China. Did you know that? Have you met her yet? Bless her heart. She's so sweet. She works in a, a hospital over there. And I don't know if there's... I asked her about the church over there. It's teeny-weeny. And, uh, but you know, they say, I don't know who counted them, but they say there's one point, what, three billion Chinese? You think Jesus is going to write them off? No, listen, listen, hey, that's a huge number. And there's going to be a huge number of those people saved. Just like the Indian side, there's a billion of those. You think he's going to write those Hindus off? No, he's going to get in there. I don't know how he's going to do it. I mean, he's going to have people from every place. And uh, did I tell you yesterday why there's not going to be many blue-eyed people in heaven? You know this? You know why there's not going to be many blue-eyed people? Do you know how? Because there's not many of us here to begin with. (laughs) Most of God's children, most of the human race, has brown eyes. They're like you black hair and a little color to their skin. Isn't that, am I right on that or wrong? Most of the human race, brown eyes, black hair, and a little color to their skin. Our crowd is about that big. And so there's not going to be many of us in heaven because we're so few <laughs> here. And another reason, we already had our heaven. <laughs> we already had our heaven. You know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, are you hearing what I'm talking about? What I'm talking about, this, this, this whole thing on the fruit of the Spirit, I think is really important. I, uh, I did the Sabbath school lesson for that, and it changed my life. And I realized that, that it's not by might or by power, but my, by my Spirit. And, and we were saying yesterday that people think of the Holy Spirit, they think, let's have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit so we'll do miracles. Oh, give me a break. Jesus did miracles. Remember he fed the 5,000? And they said, man, we could save some food budget here on this. And, uh, you know, and we'll be here for breakfast tomorrow. Isn't that the way it works? Listen, miracles are not a favor. I'm talking about if they're perpetual. Uh, They work against the kingdom of God. And so I personally think that if there's miracles going to be done, then Jesus is going to have to decide when to do it. 
and that I shouldn't feel that if there's not miracles, that if all the sick I pray for are not healed, that it's because I didn't have faith. And see, this is another thing, and we talked about this, and I'm repeating myself a little bit, is that, uh, you know, there's a text, whatsoever you ask in my name, you'll receive. Well, but, but see, between the lines, in his name, you know what that means? That means on his side. That means on his side. And so we have a tendency to pray for any goofy thing. Uh, and, 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 and this is the problem. Uh, we'll pray, well, you know, I, I've got to get an A here in this final test. And uh, Lord, forgive me for not having studied all semester. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, hey, what's the deal? What's the deal? And this life is full of cause and effect. God doesn't... In other words, if I fall off a building, it's rare that he would cancel gravity to keep me from hitting the ground hard. (laughs) And this is critical in your life. Uh, Because we can deceive ourselves, saying, well, I'm a a committed Christian here. I'll I'll go 80 miles an hour there down in the fog. And I'll just pray that the Lord will be with me. No, no, that's not what it's about. Can you hear where I'm coming from? And, and so, and so, and so, being committed Christians doesn't set us apart from the from the laws of cause and effect. What's the scripture say? Whatever you sow, you reap. And so, we need to find out how that works. <laughs> and, and then there'll be things that happen to us that 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 weren't our faults. Let's say. And, and I mentioned yesterday, those of you who were here, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react. I can't help what happens to me, but I get to choose what to do about it. And I keep mentioning things at home. If your dad or your mom are just, you know, off the wall, uh, you can't help that. But you get to decide what you're going to do about it. And that, and what do we mean do about it? Be like Jesus. I, I use this illustration and I have, if I preach one sermon, it's your church, if you invited me to say you can only preach one sermon, it'll always be about bitterness and resentment. And about the fact that God gives us the gift of forgiveness. And what bitterness and resentment does to us, it destroys us. And how most of the time we're bitter and resentful against somebody in the closed circle. And I tell what bitterness and resentment does, and I was going to use this illustration and I made this one up. Supposing, you know I live in Florida, and it's a long, skinny state. And supposing there's a young man there, and he's, he lives in Key West. And he, he hates his dad. Now, nobody likes to say they hate their dad. They just can't stand him, you know, however you want to put it. And so this guy hates his dad, and he says, man, I'm going to get as far away from my dad as I can get. I don't want to, I don't want to see him no more. And I'd say to him, where are you going, boy? I just want, I'll go to Alaska. Did you get that Key West to Alaska? That's why I'm trying to give a little distance. And I'd say, boy, your dad's going with you. No way, man. He's not going. Uh-huh. The people against whom we have bitterness and resentment go with us wherever we go because they're in our head. And it'll keep us from doing the right thing. Because, you know, I, I was talking with a girl one time and she's having problems with her mother. And I said, why don't you just go ask your mother for forgiveness? No way. 
She says, I know I should. But if I did, she thinks she's right. She's wrong. So you see, you see, when we get off the track, it messes up our life. I get to decide not what my parents or my brother, my whoever it is. I can't decide what they're going to do, but I've got to decide what to do about it. Or I could destroy myself. This is why it's critical. And that's why you'll hear me just say it over and over again. We've got to start the Christian life at home. It's got to go there. And in, in other words, if, if it's not working at home, don't even talk to me about Peru. <laughs> you from Peru or somebody like that? Where are you from? Philippines. Philippines. I like the Filipino people. You know what I like about them? Their sense of humor. You know, you can tell jokes to some people in some countries and they kind of go. <laughs> the Filipinos, they don't do that, man. They just laugh. I like that. I like that. Your people are that way, aren't they? Yeah, they're that way. So anyway, uh, let's just look. Is it almost time? No, you know, it's time. We're going to do a last round. And I'm going to talk about uh, uh, self-control. And, and tipped into this is going to be health. And you've never heard it this way before. Uh, we're going to, and that'll be the last fruit of the Spirit. But, but you got an idea? In other words, I haven't just gone pop, 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 pop. But have you got the idea? Uh, have you read between the lines? So we're going to come to the last one, self-control. So we take a break. This media was produced by Audioverse and Hope Media Ministry for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation, or if you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. You can also find great witnessing media at audioverse.org and at hopevideo.com.